What is up, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Talk Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Baseball with ones for else. If you missed our last podcast, it is up on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. We're not up on Spotify yet, and I apologize for that. I ran into some hiccups while trying to get up there. So for right now, we're just going to stay on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. It's a little bit easier. And yeah, so today is Saturday, June 9th. We've got a pretty good show for you today. We're going to be talking about Otani's arm problems that just came about. I have some reactions to a really idiotic article I came across. And we'll talk a little bit about the Super Regionals that went down yesterday and a little bit more. So let's just start off with Otani. If somehow you haven't heard, Shohei Otani is on the 10-day DL with a grade 2 UCL sprain. Um, it's important to note before we get all into this that Otani did have a one, a grade 1 UCL sprain when he ended up signing with the Angels earlier this year. And to describe what a grade 2 UCL sprain is, it means that he basically is in the early stages of possibly needing Tommy John. It doesn't even mean for sure that he's going to get Tommy John, but now he's on the watch for it. It's a little bit of a scare there. It's not much of a surprise to me coming from a Japanese pitcher to have this grade 2 UCL sprain. It's pretty common I guess the same thing happened to Tanaka in his early years with the Yankees and what actually caused Tanaka's was he was throwing way more off-speed pitches and breaking balls than he was used to I'm not sure if that's what's causing it from Otani I I don't believe that Otani's being like I don't think his sprain is coming from being a two-way I don't I don't believe that that's at all the problem um, I also believe that in Japan after starts you get more rest I think you get five or six days I could be wrong there but I believe I saw that somewhere a while back I don't know where so if they get more rest then that's probably a big factor in his arm problems as well however with Tanaka he didn't end up getting Tommy John which is a little bit of a glimmer of hope for the Angels and Otani in fact um, Tanaka has been throwing with a partially torn UCL since his original DL sentence back in his early years with the Yankees. Now, a big thing that I feel about Otani being on the DL is that it hurts his chances at being the AL Rookie of the Year. It is early in the season, but they said that he's on the 10-day DL and he'll be reevaluated in three weeks, which means that he's not pitching for three weeks, which is a long time. And that's really going to hurt his AL Rookie of the Year because he's just he's not going to be on the field for three weeks. I feel like the Angels had to know this was coming. 
because they signed someone with a grade one UCL sprain. They knew it was happening, and then they just went out and threw him. There were a couple of starts where he kind of like held back, didn't give it his all. But I feel like the Angels had to know that eventually he was going to have some arm problems because he had that grade one UCL sprain and they knew it and he's a Japanese pitcher and that's what it it happens when they come over here and they start pitching so I think that they have a way to deal with it I'm sure there's some stuff going on in the background that we don't know about the biggest question that I would have for the Angels is will he still hit after he's after his 10 days on the DL um personally I think they should let him bat it's a lot of fun to watch Otani bat. He's batting 286 with six homers. Um, it'll definitely help him in his AL Rookie of the Year race if he, if after these 10 days he gets back up to the plate and starts hitting. It's He's not on the mound, but yeah. I think that they should definitely let him bat because the Angels are third in their division. They're four and a half games back, and they need all the help that they, that they can get. They need a way to sell tickets, and Otani is the way to do that. And I think that putting Otani in the lineup would really help their chances going in, going into the bulk of this season and into the long run. The next question coming from Otani being on the DL is, are the Angels going to force him to decide between being a pitcher or being a hitter, or are they going to decide for him? Because they do have Mike Trout, who's one of the most offensive players in baseball. So I don't really know that they absolutely need him in the lineup. I would like to see him in the lineup. I'd like to see him go both ways, but after this UCL sprain, they may end up saying, hey, focus on pitching, focus on getting your arm healthy, or they may tell him, hey, you're going to be a hitter and we're not going to throw you, which I think the second one is a little bit less likely because, like I said before, the Angels have Mike Trout and Albert Pujols. They don't need... Otani in the lineup it's just a big it, it's a help but I think that they need him on the mound more so that that'll be a big question you can tweet at me with your responses to that so going off of being on the DL if you guys heard Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is now on the seven day DL with a left knee injury um, there's not a whole lot of information on the condition of Guerrero it doesn't seem all that serious and the Blue Jays have to definitely be hoping he's not all that serious. Guerrero is the top prospect in the Blue Jays organization. He's batting 407 with 11 home runs, 55 RBIs, and 53 games. That's unreal. He's playing double-A baseball, batting 407 with 55 RBIs and 53 games. Just think about that for a second. 55 RBIs and 53 games. He's batting 407. It's double-A baseball. This man is the truth, and... He definitely has a strong chance at being in the major leagues this year, next year. So once again, I'm going to hope that his condition isn't all that serious because the kid has a great future ahead of him. Um, I feel like he can really excel in the show, and I'm sure the Blue Jays are hoping, excuse me, the Blue Jays are hoping the same thing. So like I said before, I found an article that's pretty idiotic that I had a reaction to. So here's the article. An MLB and Cut 4 writer published an article that said if you throw your bat while you're up to the plate, you should either one, be out, or two, 
the pitcher should be allowed to pitch while you go run for your bat and hop back in the box. The guy's name was Michael Clare. My first reaction is, what the hell are you thinking? So, this guy had to be on drugs. He had to be on drugs when he wrote this article, or high when he was watching baseball, and something happened to where someone threw the bat, and he was like, bro, you know what needs to happen? He needs to be out. So, I don't know what this guy's thinking. He's an idiot. And the second part where he says the pitcher should be allowed to pitch while you go run for your bat and hop back in the box. How would that even work? That wouldn't even be possible. You'd have a dead ball as soon as you throw your bat. And even if it's still a live ball, he's not in the box to set up. Like, how many pitches would he be allowed to throw? Would he have to come set? It's just not, it doesn't even make any sense. So his big argument is he compares losing your bat to other sports such as hockey, football, and basketball because in hockey, if you lose your stick, you're without a stick until you get a new one. I will admit, though, hockey is a lot of fun when someone loses their stick. It's a lot of fun to watch because you see someone skating around the ice without a stick. Um, in football, if you drop the ball, it's a fumble. And in basketball, if you drop the ball out of bounds, then you're out of luck. It's a turnover, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's just stop comparing baseball to other sports. You can't do it. It's too unique. Too unique. I can't say that word, apparently. Um, the major difference between baseball and other sports is that you can't waste time. There's not a clock, and you have to give the time the team its chance to win. So that's the major difference that always comes up. But baseball is just way too unique to be compared to other sports. You can't compare losing your bat to losing a stick on the ice. Um, he also wanted to say that this rule would change the whole dynamics of baseball, and he thinks that it'll keep players from swinging so hard they lose their bat. This guy's an idiot. There, There's no way this rule would affect the dynamics of baseball in any way. For starters, players hardly throw their bats in the first place. So just then, it wouldn't change much. All this rule would actually do is make hitters have don't throw your bat in the back of their mind, which is just adding another thought to a player who is trying to see succeed in the hardest thing to do in sports. So now you're just adding another another variable in the back of their mind is just not feasible it doesn't make any sense this guy's an idiot and let me tell you this my interpretation of this guy i feel like he's just another guy who's up choking on robert manfred in his office he's definitely never played baseball at least at a high competitive level and he needs to step away from the keyboard because he has no idea what he's talking about there's no reason that this article ever should have been published it's a surprise to me actually it's not really a surprise to me but I, I read it on the MLB at bat app um, it's not that big of a surprise for me because Robert Manfred I, I guess could have been like yeah publish this and I have some very strong opinions about Robert Manfred and the way that he's leading this the game of baseball but that's for another day so Oregon State versus Minnesota game one if you guys remember correctly I predicted Oregon State takes this series um, I actually missed the first three or four innings because Washington CS Fullerton was on before the OSU MSU game I had it recorded um, so I did miss the first I think it was four innings but it does Cal State Fullerton Washington game ended in wild fashion if you guys if you guys want to go watch that last 
eighth eighth ninth inning it was crazy washington did beat cal state fullerton eight to five but fullerton put up a fight in the eighth down one they had bases loaded and then um washington was able to actually leave those base runners stranded and then score a couple runs in the ninth and end up winning eight to five um, when I did finally get to the OSU-Minnesota game, OSU was up 4-0. Not a big surprise. The number four overall pick, shortstop Nick Madrigal, hit a home run in the first. Um, OSU did play some good small ball early to push across their fourth run with a safety squeeze, and their freshman catcher also had a solo shot. That's big for him. He's going to come back in the net. He's got at least two more years at OSU. He's probably not going anywhere. He's a freshman. He's a catcher who's playing every day, and he hit a solo shot. That's That's got to feel good for him. Um, there were, I saw one Oregon State base running mistake in the fourth. Other than that, they played really clean baseball, really good baseball, not a whole lot of mental errors. There were no fielding errors. Um, OSU actually has two hitters with the most RBIs in the Pac-12, just to give you an idea of how good they are. The top two hitters in the Pac-12 with the most RBIs are on OSU's team. And they were saying that that's the, the amount of RBIs they had was equivalent to having like 180 RBIs in the show and that's both of them so that's 180 RBIs a piece if they were in a 162 game season that's crazy um Minnesota did end up hitting a jack in the eighth but it was too little too late Oregon ended up winning eight to one big shout out to the OSU starter I don't have his name written down right now but he threw eight and two thirds with 124 pitches, eight Ks, no walks, and one earned run. It was that solo shot in the eighth, and eight and two thirds, 124 pitches. That's that's got to hurt a little bit. And should they have let that kid finish? I don't know if they should have let him finish. 124 pitches, a lot of pitches. They were saying that this was by far the longest start that he had this year he only I think they said he went eight innings one time um he didn't have a chance for a complete game ever before this was his first chance I I think 124 pitches it's a lot of pitches but also on the flip side of that if you're at 124 pitches you're not pitching for a couple days anyways so throwing six or seven more pitches isn't going to hurt you. Hold on. I, I think that they should let this kid, they should have let this kid finish. Um, But I'm not going to question it. He threw eight and two thirds with eight Ks. Good for him. It was, he, he shoved and Minnesota just looked like they couldn't hit against him at all. Um, Oregon state overall just played way better baseball. They had 11 hits. Um, It really just felt like they never stopped hitting the ball hard they always had base runners on they had and they had some spots where they didn't capitalize with base runners on which means that eight to one lead easily could have been 10 to 1 11 to 1 um they definitely outpitched minnesota because like i said before the oregon state starter went eight and two-thirds with 124 pitches eight k's no walks one earned run and the minnesota starter kind of struggled i think he came out early and then we went. They went straight into their bullpen and just raked. And they hit hard all all day. They out hit Oregon State, out hit Minnesota, and outfielded Minnesota. They both had no errors, but Oregon State made less 
uh, mental errors. I have a really bold prediction, but I do feel like Oregon State has a strong chance at winning this College World Series. So now let's talk about Mississippi State Vanderbilt game one. If you watched this game, it, it was wild. It's a super entertaining game to watch. It wasn't great baseball, um, but it was fun to watch because they kept on pushing across runs and pushing across runs. If you remember correctly, I did predict Vanderbilt to win this series. Uh, Mississippi State ended up scoring in the bottom of the second on an error and pulled ahead 2-0. But then in the top of the third, Vandy capitalized on two of Mississippi State's errors and scored two of their own on two hits. So he was tied 2-2. One of the Mississippi State errors was a pickoff to second when there was nobody on second. Now, if that's not the biggest miscommunication blunder in the history of of Mississippi State then I don't know what is I saw I watched this play happen the second baseman flashed towards second took two hard steps and then went back to his position so if that's not just terrible communication I don't know what is I don't know how you do that on that stage especially to advance the runner from second to third and then ultimately he ends up scoring on a throwing error so I don't understand how you let that happen but I mean it's not that big of a deal. It was the second inning. so, And then in the bottom of the third, Mississippi State scored five. So they responded after Vanderbilt scored two and decided they were going to score five on four hits, including a three-run bomb. Then in the fifth, Vandy scored five, tied it up 7-7 seven, seven on three hits and an error. There were a lot of errors in this game. In the bottom of the eighth, Mississippi State scored one to pull ahead, but then in the top of the ninth, Vanderbilt scored on a triple with a throwing error to tie the game. If that's not the craziest way to tie the game in the ninth, which makes means that that was an inside-the-park home run. Well, it was a triple in there, but he scored. He was up to bat and scored in the same at-bat. So that's crazy. He they tied the or they pulled ahead by one. It was the first time they had a lead all game was in the eighth. Then, as baseball does, it ended wildly in the bottom of the ninth with Mississippi State hitting a three run walk off home run. If you remember correctly, Mississippi State did the same thing to FSU in the series that advanced them into the super regional. So I guess the Mississippi State just likes to win on walk off home runs. Um, if history repeats itself, Mississippi State comes out and taters Vanderbilt like they did to FSU. But I don't see that happening. But if history repeats itself, that's what happens. Um, both teams need to play better baseball. They had a combined seven errors, and they they just look sloppy. If they want to come back, whichever team wants to win this game coming forward or moving forward, it's going to be the team that figures out how to play without errors seven errors way too many errors especially for a super regional and even if the teams continue to play this way and one of them pulls ahead one of them wins goes into the college world series they're they're not going to make it very far in the college world series mississippi state did end up pulling it out but i wouldn't be surprised if andy came out and won the next one made it one one they had a do or die situation that'd be a lot of fun to watch mississippi versus Vanderbilt that'd be big that'd be a big watch 
Um, and I also am going to stand by my prediction that Vanderbilt comes back and wins this series. Something fun that happened in the MLB yesterday. So the Subway Series started. I'm a big fan of the Subway Series because I'm a Yankees fan. Um, so it's always fun to watch this series because it's nationally known. I'm still not 100% sure why they still publish this. Like, it's the greatest thing to ever happen because, I mean, it's the they're playing the Mets. And the Mets aren't that good. The Yankees weren't good, like, two or three years back. And they were still publishing this like it was the greatest thing of all time. I don't understand it. But game one did happen yesterday. The Yankees took it, obviously. Big shock there. Not. The Mets bullpen took a hit early this week. They lost Familia due to a right shoulder strain, and they also still don't have Cespedes. They, he just started his minor league rehab assignment, so that's big for the Yankees who are able to pull this one out. They need as many wins as they can get because the powerhouse of Judge is not so much of a powerhouse. In his last 24 at-bats leading into this series, he was 3-for-24 with 14 Ks. I believe two of those hits were home runs. But 14 Ks, at some point, don't you think, hey, I need to stop striking out. This is the same guy who had 8 Ks in one day because of a doubleheader. It's atrocious, and it kills me to watch this kid play. I love Aaron Judge, or I loved him last year when he was hitting tank after tank after tank. But now they've found a hole in his swing, and he can't hit. He needs to fix something. I understand he's being paid to hit bombs, but at some point, he needs to shorten up and find a way to make contact and get on base. They may be paying him to hit bombs, but I think they're paying him more so to get RBIs and to win games. And on top of Judge not being able to hit, Gary Sanchez is batting a solid 100 in his last 30 at-bats with zero home runs. Now, I understand everyone hits slumps, but these two being in a slump at the same time leads to really bad things for the Yankees. Now, I'm not saying the Yankees can't produce without them. They still have Gregorius and Torres. They still got players that can produce. But the three hitters in their lineup that they need to have, probably at least two of them working, are Judge, Sanchez, and Stanton. Now, Stanton's batting 296 in his last 27 at-bats with three home runs. Um, he's trying to pick up the slack, but something in this lineup needs to change. These guys, Sanchez and Judge, need to figure out ways to get on base. Their job is to hit RBIs and to drive in runners. Now, the Yankees are still first in their division. Kind of. It, it's kind of weird because Boston's played more games than us, but the Yankees are... They have the same amount of wins as Boston, but Boston has played more games. So it's kind of weird how it's set up. We're at the top of our division. I say we like I'm on the Yankees. The Yankees are at the top of the division. Uh, but, and Boston is playing pretty well this season. They're they're good. As much as I hate the Red Sox, they're good. So the Yankees need to win the games they should win, like the Subway Series. And for that to happen, Judge and Sanchez need to fix something. Judge went 0 for 2 yesterday with a walk. At least he got on base. Anyways, that's my Yankees rant. I'll have one of those every once in a while. So... Yeah, to end this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup. 100% this will always be a baseball cup podcast. Well, obviously not 100%, but I'm talking about the Stanley Cup now. Um, this will usually always be a baseball podcast. Uh, the Stanley Cup, though, it's close to home. Don't expect me to be start talking about the NBA National Championship. That was BS. I don't, I don't, I hate basketball or professional basketball. 
Uh, I love college basketball, but not professional basketball. I'm from Vegas, so um, the I, I watched the Golden Knights all season. I actually just moved from Vegas, so I was watching the Stanley Cup in another place. Uh, congrats on, to the Washington Capitals on winning the Cup, but the Knights did do something that has never happened in the history of sports and possibly may never happen again. In their inaugural season, they were competing for a championship. It's never been recorded in the history of sports, especially for an expansion team. Uh, to tie this in with baseball a little bit, Bryce Harper talked a little about a little bit about being a Knights fan. He grew up, he was born and raised in Vegas. Um, I have respect for the fact that he talked about how he's a Knights fan through and through. Even if I don't particularly love Harper, he's not my favorite baseball player, but I do have a lot of respect for the fact that he was talking about how he's a Knights fan through and through. Doesn't matter that he plays in Washington. DC and that the Capitals are in the same city but I I respect that a lot so that's all we have for today's episode thank you for tuning in to talk baseball you can find us on Twitter at at talk baseball with ones for L's and if you have a response you can tweet at us and I'll try to respond if you missed the last podcast like I said before you can find it on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. hit the subscribe button and never miss a podcast thank you for listening this is talk baseball Thank you.